Today's message is called The Honeymoon is Over, uh, How to Choose Love in Every Season. So every uh, around Valentine's Day, I just like to take the opportunity to check in and about relationships and all that kind of stuff. And uh, so today we're going to deal with some stuff. And uh, I had a, a pastor friend say that his wife made him change his message for today because it wasn't appropriate. Uh, it was like rated R, his message, or something like that. And so I've rated my message today at PG-13. So uh, it's, not, uh, it's, <laughs> it's not rated R, but it, there is some stuff. So anyways, uh, you can give me your rating after. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to Song of Solomon's today, but I do reference it, all right? So yeah, if we went to Song of Solomon, it would definitely be rated R, but... Uh, We'll leave, which is kind of funny that there's books in the book and books in the Bible that actually are quite interesting. All right, so let's jump in. There was a blacksmith in uh, in the states who was exceedingly short in stature. He fell in love with the tallest girl in town. It was a quiet romance. No one knew it, not even the girl. One day she came to the blacksmith's shop to get some welding done for her father. She was amazed at the blacksmith's skill. He proposed to her on the spot, and much to his amazement, she accepted him. He jumped up on the anvil and kissed her. They went for a walk. He wanted to kiss her again. Why not? She said, not in public. Then the little man replied, if there isn't going to be any more kissing, I'm not going to carry this anvil any further. All right, there you go. It's good stuff. A few, a few years uh, before Arlene and I were married... Uh, I heard one of my favorite songwriters talk about his first year of marriage, and he talked about how it didn't go well, uh, to say the least. As the story goes, they were at each other's throats throughout that first year. In the end, they were able to sort through the struggles they were having, and uh, I believe, well, I know they're still married to this day. I think it's almost 40 years later. Hearing that story, though, I I heard it before I got married, and uh, it kind of stuck with me. I don't know why. You hear stories, but this one stuck with me. And I remember, you know, I was probably really annoying. Arlene's teaching the kids today, so she can't give you her opinion. But I was probably really annoying. But I would make sure when we first, the first year we were married, I would make sure Arlene was doing okay all the time. And uh, after a while of checking in with her, probably way too much, uh, I figured she was relatively happy. It's kind of hard to tell with Arlene sometimes if she's happy or not. But I think I, I sorted it out. And uh, anyway, so it was on my mind. I wanted the first, our first year of marriage to not be horrible, all right? Now, sometimes that's out of our control. Uh, you know, if you have someone who, like, you know, doesn't put the toilet the way you like it or, uh, you know, leaves the dishes out or, I don't know, whatever, it can be stressful. But this thought of having a good first year of marriage was on my mind. The honeymoon period of any relationship, I think, is great. We, we joke about, oh, are you still on, you know, in that honeymoon period? Yeah, that's a great thing. The problem with the honeymoon period, as most of you know, is that it's not reality. Right? It ends. It stops. Reality hits when you have to get up early for work, get the groceries, fix the car, the list goes on. Right? Things come up, things happen. In a honeymoon period, you may go... Uh, is, you know, if you're in that honeymoon period, you may go warm up the car in the dark of winter. You're so excited. You get out of bed early. Woo, I can't wait to warm up the car for my spouse. Oh, so good, you know. But when that honeymoon period is over, it sometimes becomes more difficult 
And that's when you get auto start for your vehicle, because that's the best you can do. I was thinking of a pastor I used to work with in Toronto, and he used to remind me and others of Proverbs 18, verse 22. And he'd reference it all the time. Uh, If uh, you were a newly married uh, groom, especially in the church, he'd find you and remind you of Proverbs 18, verse 22, where, where it says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. This verse is great in any season of marriage, I'm sure, as you know. So I've set all this up. The question that we will look at this week and next is simply this. How to choose love in every season. Uh, Some cliches are dumb and some are true. But in my nearly 40 years on this uh, planet and being married for nearly 17 of those years, uh, there's one uh, cliche that I find uh, true. And it's simply this. Love is a choice. Often, uh, not always, but often choosing uh, not to love or to love someone or something else is a choice also. Well, I don't love you anymore. That's a choice. I do love you. That's a choice. I want to mention to everyone simply this. If you are facing struggle in your marriage or any other relationship, uh, if you're facing struggle in, that, in, in your marriage that you've tried different methods to fix, you've sought people of wisdom and you're still struggling, you're still working through it, I want to encourage you to speak with a professional relationship counselor. If you need a recommendation, I can give one to you. Uh, just so you know, I am not a professional relationship counselor. I know it's hard to believe. It is. But uh, no, it's not me. Uh, with that in mind, I do have a few suggestions that I think can benefit each of us, no matter what stage we find ourselves in a relationship. Uh, you know, I, I think relationships are funny. You know, we, we kind of categorize them in like romantic relationships. But we all have relationships with humans. There's other humans around you. I don't know if you know that. There may not be many, but there is some. We're all in relationship with other humans, and some of us are in marriages. Every one of us has work to do when it comes to relationships. So here's our first thought today. Choosing love is choosing communication. So remember, the honeymoon is over. You know, when you're in that honeymoon period, it's like it doesn't, nothing else matters. You're just like happy to be, you know, around each other. Choosing love is choosing communication. Uh, I heard this this week, and I, I just wanted to share it today. Keep communicating. Never stop communicating. Sometimes in a relationship, we have two ways of communicating with one another. If, if, uh, if I don't express myself easily, but my spouse does, uh, that could actually create tension at some point in our relationship because maybe I'm saying stuff and they're not. Maybe neither myself or my spouse communicates well to one another. Maybe both parties, we don't do a good job communicating. Maybe both of us communicate a lot. Man, I've met some couples. They love to communicate with each other. But maybe we don't listen to one another, right? In any of these examples I've given, these couples, I've I've put myself in that spot, We're not on the same page together. The key is not to be discouraged. Keep communicating. We begin to to lose hope when we both shut down and give up. 
We got to keep going. Don't give up. Keep going. Sometimes we feel our emotions and feelings are obvious, or we make assumptions because we already know where our spouse stands. Have you ever met someone where they're like, they, well, we have this problem in our church. I'll turn around while I say this so people don't get all worked up. Where they volunteer their spouse for things. Oh, don't worry. My, 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 my husband can do that. Oh, it's okay. My wife can do that. You know, I, I have so many examples. I don't want to like out people, but like, my goodness. All right. Hebrews 13 verse 4 says this, let marriage be held in honor. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled. For God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Well, let's deal with the first part of the passage first. We need to hold one another in honor among all. You know, I've, I've worked with a few people. I've had some friends where they actually do this really well. It gets annoying sometimes if you don't know what they're doing. You know, they, they just, the way they speak about their spouse and the way, or, or their, whatever, their friends, family, whatever. But I'm talking about more so in relationship right now. It's, it's, it's actually a testimony when we can see people do this well. But the flip side is how many of us don't do this well? Let marriage be held in honor among all. How many times have we privately or publicly neglected and put down our spouse, our significant other? For many of us, we've done this too many times, whether it's on purpose or by joking around. I knew some people many years ago, and they would put each other down all the time, this couple. They put each other down all the time. And I was just like, I was quite young at the time, so, you know, what was I going to say? Don't do that. And they'd say, shut up. Or, oh, oh no, good. It's, uh, Stella's not here. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. And, uh, oh, I'm off camera now. Uh, anyway, so uh, so they would put each other down all the time. And I thought, well, I guess it works for them, right? Like, they're married, whatever. It didn't work for them. Because it ended eventually. And I thought, hmm, hold each other in honor among all. We need to treat one another with respect. I'll say this from my own life. When I treat Arlene with honor among all, things go well in my life. Especially the husbands can relate probably. When I treat my wife with honor among all, things go well. When I slip up and do the opposite, which I've done, things don't go well. Right? They just don't. So, again, uh, choosing love is choosing uh, communication, and we honor our spouse, uh, spouses through our communication. Here's the next one. Choosing love is holding yourself accountable. So let's ref- we t- I just talked about the first part about honor a little bit. I'll come back to it later uh, in our Hebrews text. Then we have this, the back half of Hebrews 13, which is the part that's the PG-13 part of Hebrews 13. All right, here we go. Let's reflect on that. Make no mistake, the Bible condemns sex outside of marriage of a marriage commitment. There's no wiggle room or different interpretation here. There's a lot of uh, thinkers these days. I know I've offended them uh, before. None of them pay attention to what I say, so they don't come after me. But uh, the truth is, we have a lot of thinkers in our society today that want to like kind of morph or I don't want to say twist all the time, but they twist Scripture to suit the needs that we have in our lives. There's no wiggle room or different interpretation on the text. 
The Bible condemn, condemns sex outside of a marriage commitment. Period. End of story. The Bible does celebrate sex within the commitment of marriage. Sex within marriage is okay. It's a good thing. God made it. All right? He told us, be fruitful, which some, I've noticed, have taken that to new levels. If you want to know uh, more about this celebration and what the Bible says, you just got to read Song of Solomon. Just read through it. Read th- and if you, don't th- if you think that doesn't make any sense, read it again until it starts to make sense. It's between Ecclesiastes and Isaiah. Both good books, but it's right there. One commentator wrote this, Fornication and adultery are not synonymous in the New Testament. Adultery implies unfaithfulness by either party to the marriage vow, while the word translated fornication covers a wide range of sexual irregularities. If you ever come across someone saying or writing uh, that there are areas of sex inside and outside of marriage, you need to stop. Stop listening to what they say. Uh, Turn the the channel off. Close the whatever the YouTube clip you're watching uh, flick the social media page, whatever it is. I, if you're coming across something like that, you need to get rid of it. In the Bible, uh, there. so let me, let me say it again. If you ever come across someone saying or writing that there are areas of sex inside and outside of marriage in the Bible that are relative to interpretation or can be changed because of the times. I've noticed that. That people say, well, it's different now. No, it's not. It's the same stuff. If it was uh, read a certain way 100 years ago, 1,000 years ago, it can be read the same way today. It, it, that doesn't change. Well, the times have changed. Great. The scriptures don't. That's the point. They stay the same. Well, pastor, you're just an old curmudgeon. Maybe I am. But the truth is, that's what the Bible is. It stays the same. It doesn't change. I believe there are false teachers today. I've said this before, which, of course, the New, Te- the New Testament warns us about in the last days. We shouldn't be surprised that there are people that twist the words of scripture to suit the needs of the day. That shouldn't be a surprise to us. But let me say this as an encouragement to every single one of us. Some of us are fearful of, you know, Pastor, uh, uh, what if I fall prey to false teaching or people that interpret the Bible incorrectly? Here's the antidote to all of those concerns. Just read the book. Read the book and the truth will set you free. I promise you. Just read it. Now, if I don't read my Bible, guess what happens? I think, wow. That's a nice person. They're really interesting. You know, people, I, I've, I've, I've changed the way I look over the years, just so you know, to become less slick. Because I've noticed some of these slick ones on the Internet, they have the, you know, the hair a certain way. And I've noticed the glasses change. I like to wear glasses. But, you know, and they, whatever, and they, they just are all fancy. Although I, I wear nice shoes sometimes like today. But anyways, it's just, it's just all fancy, right? And they, some of them, like, they speak like it's like this so softly for 30 minutes, you know, it's like, wow, I'm so impressed. No, no, stop it. Just read the book and the truth will set you free. Let's go deeper uh, in this passage of Hebrews 13 and read some other passages. This is where it may make us feel a little bit uncomfortable today, but the top, this topic of sex and sexuality is all around us everywhere we go, so I'm just going to jump in with both feet today. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 9 says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. 
All right, now, you may say, well, pastor, that's, that's mean. You can't say that. Well, it's not me saying it. It's God's word that says it. Now, these are some of the words that we like to twist and to change these days. They don't change. They don't change. In fact, uh, if you go back, some of these words 100 years ago were actually more foul than we have uh, for today or more uh, straightforward and blunt than I'm reading from today. Let me read it again just to sink it in. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 to 10. Uh, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Well, who are the unrighteous? Uh, do not be deceived. These are the unrighteous. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. We have an issue in our society where we point at certain one of these things and not others. And we say, well, if you're a thief, you deserve not to get the kingdom of God. That's, we actually kind of believe that to an extent. But the truth is, all these things, we like to focus on homosexuality in the church. It's not just homosexuality. Stop that. It's the sexually immoral. We need to stop pointing our finger at one thing and not looking at the whole scope. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards. Well, I know lots of greedy people that go to church. I know lots of drunkards, drunks that go to church. Nor revilers, nor swindlers. I've even met some swindlers in the church. None of these people, men or women, don't confuse the two, will inherit the kingdom of God. Deception is, in my opinion, the favorite tool of the enemy. I, I, I really believe that. He, he just loves to deceive us. He would have us so caught up in the topic of sexuality, sexual freedom, sexual expression, sexual choice. See, this is what he's done in our society. Why, why has he done that? Because the devil knows the scriptures. He knows what it says. He knows that when we are deceived, we will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's what happens. When we deceive others, when we deceive ourselves, we will not inherit the kingdom of God. Can these sins mentioned in, that I just read from 1 Corinthians uh, chapter, I think it was chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, can they be forgiven? Can these sins be forgiven? Absolutely. That's another lie we've been told. Well, I can't be forgiven. I've done something that I can't be forgiven for. Stop that. We can be forgiven for all of these things. That's another deception he would send our way that we've messed up too much. Well, you're too much of a mess up. You've screwed up too much. Maybe he, the devil's told us that we're worthless, that our lifestyle means that Christ won't forgive us and accept us into his kingdom. Nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing can be further from the truth. I hear uh, people complain. People like to complain to me and tell me how the church doesn't accept people. Well, no, that's... that's <sighs> I understand, I understand why some people say that. The truth is, Jesus accepts everybody. Every one of us is a sinner. There's no, well, this is the worst sin. This is the second worst sin. This is the third worst sin. That's not how it works. They're all sin. That's why we had to kneel and say, thank you, Jesus. I remember your sacrifice. The blood he spilt was for you and for me. 
It wasn't for, oh, it's, it's not just for Johnny over there. It's not just for Billy and Cody don't get the blood. No, it's for everybody. That's the truth. Uh, everybody is set free because of Jesus. Every, Jesus accepts every single one of us. If someone tells you, oh, Jesus wouldn't accept me, you need to stop them. And in and, and kindness and grace, tell them, no, 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 you've got it wrong. He accepts every single one of us. Every one of us. If he didn't accept one of us, he couldn't accept any of us. Choosing love is holding yourself accountable to sexual sin and temptation that each of us are susceptible to. I've never met one person that isn't susceptible to sin, in particular in, all, in our culture, some form of sexual temptation. I've never met one person. Well, pastor, I'm pretty old. Don't matter. Well, pastor, I'm young. Stop it. You're just delusional if you're young. Man, when I was a youth pastor, well, pastor, I don't think of them that way. Yes, you do. I have these great friends. They used to hang out with me all the time. Well, they were my students, and now they're married, right? So I, I go for dinner sometimes when I'm in Toronto with them. And I shouldn't say their names, Mark and Naka. <laughs> and, I, and I say, they used to say to me, well, Pastor Jason, we're family. We don't think of each other that way. And I said, that's nice. And so now I actually married them. And I thought, I didn't say it in their ceremony. I thought that'd be inappropriate. <laughs> but it's like, when did it change? Well, we don't think of each other that way. <laughs> Man, a bunch, a bunch of those kids got married to each other. Pastor, we're family. Oh, stop it. Man. <laughs> My goodness. Even the youth that's saying today, oh, I don't think of them that way. Stop that. Stop that. Man. Sorry, I'm a little, I'm old compared to the, the teenagers today, like my kids remind me, but I remember being a teenager real well. All right, sheepers. Okay, where are we? I, I went off track there. Okay, <laughs> choosing love is holding yourself accountable. All right, here's the next one. Oh, this is what happens when I go off script. Choosing love means choosing honor. So we're going to come back to honor. 1 Corinthians 7 verse 38 says, So then he who marries his betrothed does well, and he who refrains from marriage will do even better. So let me just pause here, and then we'll jump into honor. Let me read it again. So then he who marries his betrothed does well, and he who refrains from marriage will do even better. Can you just leave that, leave that slide up there for me? Uh, some people... We, we have this thing in our world, some of you know this, but we have this thing where everyone thinks they need to be in a relationship. They need to be married. That's, that's, that's not biblical. Seriously. It actually, this, this is one of the passages. says, he who refrains from marriage will do even better than the one who's not married. It's okay to be single. Like, I just want to put, I've said that before, but I just want to put it out there. Uh, it's okay to be single. I remember, actually, I was taking a course on Corinthians in Bible school, and uh, Arlene was praying that I would propose to her. She will never admit that, but she was praying for it. Uh, I, and I could, I could feel it in the air, right? You know, guys, you know what I'm talking about. You could just kind of feel it. And our, Arlene, we, were, we had some young women, uh, friends of hers, well, kind of, at the time. And they would, uh, some of them are pastors now, so I can't say their names. But, like, uh, they're pastors in our section. Uh, but, like, they would, they would uh, their, their, their girlfriends at the time would go buy engagement rings for them. 
right? Just to drop hints. They, it was like, you show up to dinner, like the, you know, and there's an engagement ring. Give that to me in two weeks, right? So uh, that kind of thing. Anyways, so I, I, Arlene would never admit to it, but I could feel it. I could just, I remember I was at Tyndale taking the uh, book, on, book of Corinthians, First and Second Corinthians, Dr. Penner, I remember him. And I could just feel it. All of the friends were getting married. I could just feel it in the air. Jason, Jason, you know, just like all this stuff. So I was sitting there one day, and in and this class on Corinthians, and it was maybe this passage or something, some, something similar to it, and I thought, well, I'm, I'm not going to be single my whole life, was my thought. Because I realized, if, what am I doing with Arlene if I'm going to be, be on my own? It's okay to be single. It is. Some of us choose not to be single, and that's okay too, of course. <laughs> So then he who marries his betrothed does well. I've done well. I, I, I married my betrothed. I've done well. He who refrains from marriage will do even better. Even better. Do you know what I've noticed as I've gotten older? I got, I've figured out a couple things in marriage. Um, I check with Arlene before I do something. Most of the time. I, sometimes I forget. But like if, I, if I'm going to do something, I, now I notice she doesn't do the same for me. Like, I found out from Pastor Andy she's going to Cuba. So it's like it doesn't work both ways. But, like, yeah. <laughs> but, but, and we'll leave that one alone. We've we'll, we got to pray for the wife sometimes. All right. But <laughs> so then he who marries his betrothed does well. Hmm. Now let's go here. Perhaps because of our past, we have a false belief that the marriage bed can't be undefiled guilts and sexual hang-ups are natural when you find yourself in a relationship that at some point has had sex outside of marriage i heard a stat a number of years ago this is an old stat now so i probably shouldn't even use it but there was a school of ministry in california that has thousands of young adults that come every year to their school and the majority of those young adults Grew up, grew up in Christian homes, grew up in churches, and they go to this school of ministry in their young adult years. The majority of them were never told not to have sex before marriage. They were never taught that by the church. Now, if you don't go to church, you're not going to hear that. But they were never taught that by the church. Guilt and sexual hang-ups are natural when you find yourself in a relationship that at some point has had sex outside of marriage. Now, here's, here's something that's not a politically correct thing to say these days. There's no guilt or sexual hang-ups when you don't have sex before marriage. It's gone. It's like sexual disease. There's no sexual diseases when you just wait for sex in marriage. Now, I know it's, it's not a perfect world and everything doesn't work out that way for some people. But that's the reality. Is that when you, lit, when you uh, from day one, uh, if you're able, you know, some of us don't get saved into our adult years, so it's a different situation. But from day one, if, you're, if, you're, if you walk the path that Christ would have for you, there, there's no issues there. It's, you're, you're walking the same path together. When you're in a marriage that doesn't have a history of sex outside of marriage, there's no trauma, there's no guilt, there's no shame. It's eliminated. Again, I understand that's not everybody's story, and I'm not pointing fingers or anything like that, but I'm just trying to express God's plan for sex within marriage. 
when I think of honor and I think of our marriages, when I think of my marriage, I want us to be aware of this. We live in a very sexualized society. Sex is used in every opportunity to grab our attention. Every opportunity. Tonight is the big game. I guarantee you, we probably won't even get a couple minutes in. Some form of sexuality will be used in just about every moment it can tonight to sell something. It will. It's, you know, we're, we're, we're actually so, most of us, I'll include myself in it, we're so desensitized to it, we don't even notice it half the time anymore. Just watch tonight, you'll see it. One commentator wrote this. Well, don't watch if you don't want to see it. I should <laughs> make that clear. Anyways. Uh, one commentator wrote this, the enemy of our souls wants to do everything he can to encourage sex outside of the marriage bed. And he wants to do everything he can to discourage sex inside the marriage bed. Let me say it again. The enemy of our souls wants to do everything he can to encourage sex outside of the marriage bed. And he wants to do everything he can to discourage sex inside the marriage bed. Over the years, I've heard stories both told to me uh, privately, and I've heard people speak publicly about it, where the enemy has tried everything to disrupt sex inside the marriage bed, just as our commentator has written. It's true. The enemy, he, he doesn't want things work, working out in a good way for your marriage. The enemy hates your marriage. He just wants to rip it apart. No matter your story, where you come from, where you're going, he just wants to rip it apart. One of the things that is changing and needs to continue to change uh, in discernment and grace in churches is that believers need to be able to openly dialogue about sex within marriage. We need to talk about it a bit more, a lot more. We need to speak about it with our spouse. Speak to your spouse. <laughs> like, this is kind of crazy to me. Like, we need to speak to the, the, a person we're married to about our own sex life. Be honest with one another. Parents, I want to talk to you for a second. We need to do a better job equipping our children for what a healthy sexual relationship looks like within a godly marriage. We need to talk to our kids about it. Well, pastor, my parent didn't talk to me about it. Oh, well, you need to start the trend. Well, pastor, I'm uncomfortable talking about it. Well, you should have thought of that before you had the kids. Right? Like, well, I got kids. What am I going to do? Well, you better start talking about it. I remember one of my uh, students, uh, and I'm so old that all my students are grown up now. It's true. They're all older adults. <laughs> I remember one of, when one of my students uh, who told me, he, he told me years ago, he said it in a very crude way, so I'm not going to say, uh, the advice his mom gave him um, about sexuality. It was horrible advice. Horrible. We need to think through these things. Don't just blurt stuff out. If your parents or your, someone that you respect in your life says something stupid to you about this topic when you were younger, don't repeat it to your own children. Don't. Don't repeat it. Here's some thoughts for parents. Be direct. Be clear and full of wisdom with your kids. Seriously. And if you're a grandparent and you're, you know that your grandkids won't get this Message, I invite you, man, want to make sure that they have an interesting conversation. If their grandparents talk to them about this, watch out, right? It's obviously the parent's responsibility, but sometimes grandparents need to give some godly wisdom too. Parents, speak with your children, boys and girls, first off about the danger of pornography at an early age. 
Pornography is targeted at kids younger and younger and younger and younger and younger and younger. You need to talk to them about it. It's not if they see it, it's when. All right? And it's, it's for boys and girls. When I was growing up, only the guys got talked to about it. It's for boys and girls. You need to talk to them about it. They will find it. It's not, they don't even need to go looking for it. They will find it. You need to inform them the dangers of consuming pornography. And if you're like me, and you have this picture of pornography, maybe uh, just in the sense of what it was like, it's not like that anymore. It's dangerous. Today, pornography, it was always dangerous, but I want to, like, I don't know how else to say it. It is dangerous. It is violent. It, 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 it degrades humans at a level you cannot comprehend. It, like, you just need to get that into your mindset. Our kids, they will find it, even if they're not looking for it. So we need to inform them of the dangers of consuming pornography. If you need some advice, maybe you're thinking, Pastor, you are scaring me to death. If you need some advice in this area, I can help you uh, with some resources. So please speak with me uh, whenever you feel comfortable. All right? Choosing love means choosing honor. And that's something we can teach our kids. That's something we can learn for ourselves at the earliest of ages. It's not something you just figure out eventually. You don't just turn 35, well, I figured out how to honor. You know, you don't, you don't just get to your wedding day, oh, there's the honor I was looking for. It doesn't work that way. We need to teach it and instruct it. Choosing love means choosing honor. One commentator wrote this, uh, though God allows great freedom in the variety of sexual expression in marriage, all must be done with a concern for the needs of their spouse and in love. Church, why have I spoken honestly, bluntly, and maybe made some today uncomfortable? When I've spoken on things like this in the past, I've, uh, on a few occasions, not very often, but I've gotten some small pushback from people that didn't like some of the things I said. It's very minor. Why did I tell you this today? Because it's what the Bible says. I didn't say anything that wasn't in the scriptures. I applied it to our, our life today. But I didn't say anything that wasn't in the Bible. And I want to kind of, this is a weird way to close today. Um, but I want to read another passage today. I think I got one more after this, yeah. Yeah, I want to read this one passage today. This is another part of the Bible that we don't like to talk about. It comes from Revelations chapter 21, verse 8. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral sorcerers idolaters and all liars their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur which is the second death church this is real why do you think the enemy distracts us and tries to move in this area because it's exactly where we will all end up if we continue to follow down these paths yes it's not just the sexually immoral it's the murderers the sorcerers the detestable faithless the cowardly the idolaters, the liars, but it says their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur. There is hell, there is a lake of fire, and it's not intended for any one of us. The scriptures tell us that God intends for every single one of us to be saved. Even your worst enemy, God's plan is salvation for them. doesn't matter who they are, what they've done. But it's wrong for me to withhold any teaching from the Bible. If I didn't add this passage in today, you could have come and said to me, well, Pastor, you didn't bring up that one. And you'd be right. This is what the scriptures say. I believe, I believe the truth sets us free. 
The truth sets us free. So the honeymoon is over. <laughs> I remember, <clears throat> I haven't spoken in two weeks, so I'm losing my voice. I remember when Arlene and I returned from our honeymoon all those years ago. It was two decades ago. Dang. Okay. All right. I just realized that. Wow. I'm all getting there. Okay. I remember the next day when we got, when we got back from our honeymoon. I remember the next day. We, I don't know why I have this memory. We went to Ikea for some furniture for our place. And I remember, I, for some reason, I remember that day vividly. And I thought, wow. The honeymoon is over. <laughs> Nothing will bring you down to earth like shopping at Ikea. I thought life begins now. And it did. Life did begin right there. Some days were tough. Some days still are tough for a variety of reasons. But each day, I choose love. And so do many of you. We'll continue this, uh, this brief kind of series next week. But I want to encourage you to choose love in your marriage. It's a choice. So today we've learned communicate. Talk to one another. Talk to one another. Talk about hard stuff. It's okay. It's okay to talk about hard stuff. Be accountable to one another, to the, to the decisions you make with one another and, and the decisions you make to one another in your actions. Be accountable. Say, yeah, I did that. I bought that car without your permission. I did that. <laughs> I've never done that, just so you know. Reassess together. Never let the status quo become your theme. That's a big one for so many. Never let the status quo become your theme. Reevaluate regularly so that you remain on the same page. You're, here's something I, I've been married. I'll be, we'll be married 17 years this year. So some of you are like, my goodness, watch out. <laughs> you got ways to go. It's true. But the truth is, here's something I've learned. Your marriage will change over time. It has to. Hopefully, we're growing up a little bit in the process, right? You no one wants to be married to a 20-year-old forever. That's annoying. It's nice when you're 20, but when you're, you know, 40, 50, 60, it gets annoying, you know? When you're more immature than your kids are, you got problems, right? Reassess together. Never let the status quo become your theme. I just feel like I need to say that today. Never let the status quo become your theme. Some of us are, are very, we're, we're great at commitment. We, 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 we just, we really hang in there. But status quo doesn't have to become the theme of your marriage. Reevaluate regularly so that you remain on the same page. In Colossians 3, verse 5 uh, and to 10, it says this. Uh, Pastor Chris, would you come? Any other worship team members? It says this in Colossians 3, verse 5. Put to death... Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. (laughs) So the scriptures tell us, they promise us in Colossians uh, 3, that God is coming because of our sin. He's coming. It's a promise. Verse 7, and these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must pull them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Man, 
Some of us just need to clean up our language. I hope some of my friends are watching today. You need to clean up your language. You know who you are. You won't look at me next time I see you if you watch this. Verse 8, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. That's why I think that we change over the course of our marriage, marriages, or even our relationships. Do you know why some of your friends are annoying now and they weren't 10 years ago? It's because you're maturing. They're not. They're just foolish people. Some, some of them you need to just get rid of nicely. Don't kick them or anything. Don't go on Facebook and start writing about them. <laughs> Put off the old self with its practices. I've gone to church my whole life. I've never stopped. I think I've said that before. I never had a, a rebellious time in my life, as some people talk about. When people give their testimony sometime of, this is how God rescued me, I don't have anything like that because I've just always loved them and always served them. You know? Some people used to make fun of me for that in a way. Ha <laughs> ha. You don't really know what it's like to live until you do. Yeah, okay. But some of you grew up without knowing Jesus. It wasn't your fault. You just didn't know him. And you know what it's like to live without him. And you know what it's like to live with him. But every single one of us needs to remember this. Put off the old self with its practices. Put it off. If it's from your time before Christ, I would say get rid of it. If it's causing you any issue, get rid of it. Or if you, if you know the Bible tells you not to do it, get rid of it. Put off the old self with its practices and have uh, put on the new self. You, you, we all know this. You and I, we are new creations in Christ. The old is gone. We know the old self. We know what the old self was involved with. We know what the old self did. All of that is gone. We are a new creation, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. I don't know why, but I was thinking a lot about grade nine this week. My grade nine year, not my son's. And uh, I remember there was this. Uh, she was she was a she was a great young woman. She had a couple. Her name was Lisa. She had a couple. She was her locker was a couple down from mine. And uh, anyways, long story short, she 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 went off the rails in grade nine. She just yeah. She actually, she couldn't look at me halfway through the first semester, halfway through the year in grade nine. She couldn't look at me anymore because she knew that I saw what she was involved with. She actually dated one of my friends who was a jerk. He was just horrible towards women, and she dated him. And I was like, okay, well. Anyways, she disappeared after grade nine. I never, I never saw her. And then a couple years later, like I've never seen such courage in someone. A couple years later, she kind of reappeared. And uh, she started giving her testimony of how God radically changed her life from sin and relationships and alcohol and drug abuse, all these things. And I'll, I'll never forget her courage to get up in front of her friends. She, she would get up in, in uh, youth gatherings with hundreds of people at it. 
in our own in our own city, our hometown in Barrie, and talk. And I remember seeing her years later, and like I was, I was like, man, look at what God can do. While she put on her new self, Jesus forgave her. He washed her clean. She had, she had to live up to some of what happened, you know. But Jesus washed her clean. I pray today that she's still operating in that. But every one of us needs to put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator, which is our Father in heaven. Would you stand with me? Let's pray. And we'll come back to this topic next week. Hopefully I didn't scare anyone off. I did keep it PG-13. We'll see what God does next week. We may have to pull out Song of Songs. Oh, no, next week's Family Sunday. I can't do that. Never mind. Okay, it'll be, it'll be, I forgot. That's why I did this this week. Now I'm remembering. I don't have to stare at the four-year-olds. Oh, my gosh. All right, let's pray. So, God, we just thank you for today. Lord, the honeymoon is over. It's true. It is for some of us. It's okay. Yeah, a new day's coming, Lord. New day has come. So, Father, today we just I just pray for the marriages and families at Northern Life Church, Lord. Not everyone's married, and that's perfectly fine. But Lord, I pray for marriages that you would keep them healthy. Lord, you'd keep the communication open uh, between the the two people in the marriage, Lord. God, that people would uh, share their hearts with one another, speak to one another, one another, communicate with one another. Lord, I pray for uh, those of us that have kids. God, I pray that we would speak in clarity when it comes to what a godly marriage looks like. Lord, even for those of us that know we have a past and we would do things differently if we had the opportunity in, in some respects, especially when it comes to our sexual purity and relationships and all that kind of stuff. But God, I just pray we'd speak honestly with our kids, that we wouldn't keep secrets from them, that we wouldn't shelter them from things we don't think that you know, they should know about, and not because they, they're too old or too young, but just because we, we're uncomfortable talking about it. So God, I pray in Jesus' name that you'd be with us and with our families, our parents, that we'd have good conversations with our kids, fruitful conversations, Lord, not ones that are, not ones that are scary for our children, <laughs> just ones that are helpful for our kids. And then we'd speak openly, Lord, and Lord, maybe some of us need to go ask for, for some forgiveness here and there, or I don't know, whatever you're putting on our hearts. But God, I just pray that as we've spoken today, Lord, if any of my words uh, have convicted anybody, I'd pray that they'd recognize it as conviction instead of condemnation or judgment. Lord, we're just reading from the scriptures here. I've made plenty of mistakes, Lord. You know them. So I'm not speaking from a place of any kind of perfection or anything like that, Lord. I'm just reading your word and what it says. And Lord, those of us that, you know, today maybe it's just, a, even it's just a couple of things I mentioned may have brought up some anxiety and just some memories and things that maybe we've asked for forgiveness for, but they just kind of creeping up again. God, I just pray that you would deliver us from our past. And that we just hold fast to that truth in Colossians that we are a new creation in you. 
that our old self is gone. It's been erased. You've washed us clean by your blood. And we are a new creation today. So, Father, I pray as we sing another song here, we just declare your holiness over our lives. God, I just pray that you be with your people. Father, would you deliver us? Heal us of any disease, Lord. Heal us from our uh, any relationship things from the past, Lord, that we, we've been holding on to. Lord, I pray that you'd remove them and set us free from them in Jesus' name. So, God, we just thank you for today and your word. Lord, I thank you for a church that's able to hear a word that's a little bit more uncomfortable. Maybe not something they thought they'd hear when they woke up this morning and had their lucky charms. So God, I just pray that you'd be with us and your hand would be upon us. Father, anoint us for the task that's ahead. And Lord, may we always remember that you are at the center, Lord. You're at the center of what we're doing, what we're speaking. And may we never boast in anything except the cross of Jesus Christ. May we not forget the blood that you shed. It is by your death, Lord Jesus, that we are alive. Because of Christ, we are alive. May we never forget today, Lord. So, Father, would you be with us? And uh, Lord, just speak to us in this next worship song. Pastor Chris, lead us today.